I just want to start by saying how much uh, uh, my wife and son and I loved mm -hmm. your show, Gender Play, or What You Will. I love a play with a pun in the title. Several. Um, <laughs> several. <laughs> yeah. And, and what I loved so much about it, it was a funny and powerful sort of reclamation of Shakespeare and a fight against the idea that Shakespeare must be done in a certain way way um yes so uh bravo brava whichever you prefer both yes <laughs> good morning good afternoon good evening whatever it is wherever you are i'm austin titchener one third of the reduced shakespeare company and you're listening to this week's reduced shakespeare company podcast number 859 will's gender play Will Wilhelm is the co-creator and star of Gender Play, or What You Will, now having its world premiere at the About Face Theater at the Den Theater in Chicago. Gender Play is part journey of discovery, part seance, and part dance party, and I'm thrilled that Will was able to join me on the podcast and talk to me about their relationship to Shakespeare and how Gender Play came to be. So I created Gender Play with my friend Erin Murray, who directed it as well, and it was actually her pitching it to me, uh, the idea that began it all. I had just come off of two seasons at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, and Aaron and I have been friends for 13 years now. We met in our first years at Northwestern. I was a freshman undergrad. She was a first year MFA uh, directing student. And I was in her first show that first year. When you guys and were she... seven? What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was a, I was fully, I was a teenager. I think I met her when I was 17. Um, and so she had seen the work that I was doing um, both at OSF and in other spaces where um, often when I'm walking in as the first or one of the first non-binary artists to be working, you know, in this space or in this company, um, there's a lot of just education work that sort of happens um, by existing and also wanting to wanting to be well supported. You have to, like, explain what that is to people. Yeah. And I think now we're having more conversations about like the additional labor that is involved in that. But at the time I was, you know, very much in my mid twenties. Um, I wanted it to be a good experience for me. And I've always been very adamant and focused on the fact that when I walk into a room, um, if I'm being told like, Oh, you're the first non-binary person we're having here. Like, I want it very clear that it's like, well, I will not be the last. So the doors that I open for myself or that someone opens for me, I am always checking over my shoulder to be like, keep that open for the people that come behind. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was just doing a lot of that work and Aaron was really recognizing how much effort that was. Um, and I was working with incredible directors. I've I I'm so grateful for the people that I've gotten to work with in my career, Bill Roush at OSF and Young Jean Lee and Mary Zimmerman and all these really amazing people. Um, and I also have to do a bit of work at explaining like, this is how I fit into your world and your vision. Like this is, this is what, you know, gender queerness or transness might look like in this world. And Aaron, <laughs> to her credit, was like, what if you stopped explaining that to other people and just did it for yourself? 
Like, what if you stopped trying to find the corners of other people's worlds that you could tell a trans story in, and you located yourself in the center of the stories that you want to tell and show us all the complexities that are within you? And I was like, damn, you're a great friend. <laughs> Gauntlet thrown. <laughs> yeah, wow. totally. Wow. Um, and I was like, you're right. You're right. And that was February of 2020. And we started working on it immediately. She called me. She was like, hey, I have an idea I want to talk to you about. And we started immediately. We were just like, let's put together, let's start sketching. She sent me like this really interesting, cool questionnaire um, to like just get like a lot of ideas and data points. And some of that was about the characters and monologues, but some of that was about like the feeling and my relationship with Shakespeare and my relationship with the theater industry as a whole. Um, and so within a month or so, we had like a very vague, not even a skeleton, I would say. I think she called them lily pads. Mm -hmm. Like here, like here are just moments that we mm -hmm. could that we could jump to. And then um, you know, obviously in March 2020, lockdown happened and you know, we we're all in a pandemic. And I don't I know a lot of artists were like trying to do something to occupy their time at that time. And I was very grateful to have this project. I I think the timing was divine. I could not have birthed the idea of this project in that state. What I could do was follow the spark of inspiration that we had already ignited and, you know, went full force into it. And we had so much development along the way. About Face was was big in that. And there were other really important players in that as well. Um, so I'm very grateful for all of the entities that, you know, gave their life and support to this play. Um, but really what happened was, you know, within the first year, before the first year of the pandemic was, was over, I had written this play my, and my first, um, Amazing. and I think when, when you're running around, you know, like as an actor doing contracts and auditions all the time, like you do not have time to do what it takes to like really cultivate the like endless drafts of a play it's a fascinating piece because it's about it's about theater generally it's about shakespeare specifically it's about your own journey was it always about shakespeare i saw you i i saw you uh one of those summers at osf um as one of the very striking looking ensemble members in that fabulous oklahoma Thank you. Um, that, I thought that was an enormously powerful uh, production. Uh, you know, I've done it three times. I was, <laughs> I was, I was a a classically unintentionally racist Ali Hakim when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, uh, I played it sincerely, though, in my defense. Um, uh, but but who knew that uh, uh, let people say we're in love would be an anthem of pride? You know, it was exactly. It was, oh, it brought me to tears every night. You would have to be oh a maid God. of stone or a Grinch or a Scrooge <laughs> to not be brought to tears. It was it was so powerful. So I remember you from that. So. Was was gender play always specifically related to Shakespeare, or did it was 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 parts of it musical theater, or just your journey in theater generally? Yeah, it was it was always Shakespeare, and I think a lot of the people who know me well um, and who saw that you know many things went into this play, and not least among them is me 
writing something that sh- that showcases and highlights all of the things that I know how to do and do well that other people don't always see in me. But the thing that's missing is I don't sing in it at all. People are like, you must give us a number at some point. And, <laughs> you know, Shakespeare has little songs and dances sometimes, but I was just like, you know, it's not about that. But it is- You make us you all know, dance, I, but you don't sing. <laughs> exactly. I, I sing along to the playlist. <laughs> but- um it was always it was always shakespeare and i loved that oklahoma that production of oklahoma changed everything for me i went into when i auditioned for osf i have always really 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 wanted to find space for myself in shakespeare because i love it so much and as you'll see in the play like it's just so obvious why my stories fit into those stories um to me and i hope to other people that see the play um, but when I went into audition for OSF, I was thinking like, oh, you know, you know, I'd really love to be in some Shakespeare. I was not thinking about Oklahoma at all. And I knew it was an all queer production. Um, and I do sing, but I've been in rock musicals. Every other musical I've ever been in has been a rock musical. I've never seen myself in a golden age musical. I've never honestly been interested in them because I'm like, I don't see myself existing in that world right. at all. Right. Um, and, you know, to their credit, um, Bill Rausch and Joy Dixon, the casting director, when I came in, was like, "Oh, here is a part of the fabric of this universe yeah. that we could that we could continue um, deepening and enriching, like what this queer world looks like." Um, and that was the first time I was ever like, "Oh, I could." my story could exist in a classic. And I I was truly, I was in the ensemble of that musical. I think I had four lines. Um, Every queer person, especially because there was such care put into the storytelling of uh, my body being in the female ensemble and like having a very clear gender queer journey throughout the show. Like it's funny to me almost that people are like, oh, I remember seeing you in Oklahoma all the time because you know, so often I feel like we lose the people in the ensemble. Like they're really just there to fill it out. Right. Um, and yeah, OSF put so much care into, into that. And, and, and it made me realize like the importance of seeing myself in history. And I engaged and heard from a lot of young people that come to the festival and I saw the impact of that. And so then when I decided the OSF does like these meetings in between seasons, or at least they did when I was there. They're like, hey, are you interested in next season? What would you want to do? And I I have never, the only Shakespeare I'd really done was like in the patio of a bar with my friends in Chicago. <laughs> like <laughs> I've never gotten to do it like on a really huge professional scale. And I was like, I want to be in Shakespeare so badly. And I've come to your theater to like take up very clear space and it's very clear to me what the impact of that is. So I want to be in Shakespeare, but only if it is a continuation of exactly what I've been doing. And they heard me on that. And they were like, yes, cool. You can be a non-binary fleance in Macbeth. Yeah. And I sure was. Yeah. And then the other thing I really wanted to do that that I expressed to them and they crafted for me was like, when when we're in big ensemble shows and we play multiple characters I was like I want an audience to see my one body as multiple genders in the same evening not as a joke or like you know just as like this body can be multiple genders we can't assume what it is and they were like yes and so they put together a track for me in As You Like It where I was a male character a female character and then we made Audrey non-binary 
Hi, this is Mia Gosling, creator of Shakespeare webcomic Good Tickle Brain, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? We'll perform the complete history of comedy abridged three times in North Carolina this July at the Blumenthal Center in Charlotte on July 13th and 14th and Appalachian State University on July 16th, 2023. Check out the touring page at our website, ReducedShakespeare.com, or our Facebook page or Twitter feed at Reduced for the latest information. Now back to my conversation with Will Wilhelm talking about their play Gender Play, or What You Will, now having its world premiere in an about-face theater production at the Den Theater in Chicago. I thought that was one of the great powerful things about what about gender play. The points that you made, in addition to being marvelously performed, it was incredibly well written. Um, Thank so you. So kudos on that. But 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 also it makes the point really well that Shakespeare was writing for misfits. He was writing yes. roles for the dispossessed, the marginalized, and this is part of his greatness. And I think it's why part of why we're still performing him and, and messing with him four hundred years later. Yeah, totally. And thank you for saying that. And I think like one of the points that um, we build to in the show and I had really questioned um, how there there are a few things that really push back on the theater industry and our culture um, around Shakespeare. And there, you know, I've had a couple of questions of like, how far do I want to go? And one of the points that we drive to is is saying like, if we continue to put him on this pedestal that makes him inaccessible to so many that our contemporary relationship with Shakespeare is hypocritical to the content of the plays themselves. Oh, it's a violation of the intent of the plays. Exactly. And, and while I questioned a few times, like, is this play really proving that point? And I appreciate that you brought that up. Um, I think that's the point that I'm, that I'm trying to make with it, that if we continue to, um, isolate it in in this sort of both performance and pedagogy that you know what I'm saying that like makes it this pretentious thing it's like the plays themselves are not meant to be pretentious in fact they're mocking pretension constantly hundred percent i mean uh, we i'm i'm slightly older than you um but we but but in the years i've been doing reduce shakespeare we used to get the question a lot oh would shakespeare be rolling in his grave at your show we don't get that question anymore um to the anywhere near the same degree uh because i think i i mean i think the good news is there has been growth in this understanding of Shakespeare. I, it certainly seems to be, not only are we understanding more that Shakespeare has been used in problematic ways over the mm-hmm. centuries, but he does seem to be being retaken uh, by by different communities, you know, yes. in the way that you're, you're uh, reclaiming him. Reclaiming is a better word than retaken, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I honestly, I'm curious for you and, and I'm, I'm assuming so, but do you feel like the Reduce Shakespeare Project is also just providing an easier on-ramp for people who don't, who wouldn't find themselves interested in that to actually find something that they want to know more about in Shakespeare? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, we always, we think of ourselves as a sort of a gateway drug and one of our 
one of our one of our um, marketing taglines has always been: "If you like Shakespeare, you'll love our show. If you hate Shakespeare, you'll love our show." Um, <laughs> yeah, because people do come to see it saying, "Oh, I, I don't really like Shakespeare, but I really liked this." And I think that attitude of "I don't really like Shakespeare" or "Shakespeare is not for me" that is still mm -hmm. very prevalent. And I, I think because, in large part, because many people encounter him first on the page. Yes. And they, they are forced, forced, assigned to read him when they should be seeing him in sort of mm -hmm. whatever production, a reduced production, a queer production, a free thing in the park or something on a, or 10 things I hate about you. Yes, exactly. You know, there, there are so many there are so many entrance ramps, as you say, to Shakespeare. We should be availing ourselves of all of them. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah, I've, I've put a lot of um, Aaron and I put a lot of work into and have a lot of pride for gender play in that it has a lot to um, delight people who are truly Shakespeare aficionados, like there's a, a million and one Easter eggs. And also, it's so kind and gentle for people who are like, I don't care for Shakespeare. I don't know anything about Shakespeare. I don't want to know anything about Shakespeare yeah. to like, you know, provide a context into these stories. And um, because the stories themselves are prevalent because they they did truly tap into something that we hold common in our lives as these humans. And they've been made to be so they've been preserved by whatever alchemy of you know history has made that true but if we're going to give them that space then i just really hope that people feel that they have the option to take space if they want to i feel like so many people don't feel that they have the option to see themselves in that history yeah. and therefore care to explore explore it anymore yeah, I think that's I think that's really right. People are not encouraged to the same degree that uh, this is this is you. These plays are about you. Yes. Um. Uh. Well, and the play was yes. It's the play gender play has all these great Easter eggs. Um. Um. Uh. And it's also very funny and it's very powerful. Your 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 uh, to use your metaphor again. Your on ramp lead up takeoff to um the to be or not to be speeches. Ah, chef's kiss, brilliant. Um, Thank you. Uh, 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 and it's very helpful. It's very helpful for again old people like me, <laughs> I mean, learning how, learning the language of how to be an ally of the different difference between uh, queer, non-binary, trans, cross-dressing. We do, mm -hmm. you know, we cross-dress in our shows in in because it's. I, this is one of my favorite things about theater is a small number of actors putting on a lot of different costumes and playing yeah. a lot of different characters and not being reduced to type. Right. Um, um, but that's different. That's different. And as you, and you explain it so helpfully in the play, that's different from being trans. Yeah. And even like, I think the differentiation between um, sexuality and gender identity is something that like, yeah. Bears repeating for people who do not like live um, in the intersections of those identities, yeah. um, because it, it's funny. the The play also talks about like the relationship between you know 16th century London and 21st century 
Chicago, there is a lot of similarity in like the happenings and the events, but there's so much different language, Yeah, you know, for better or for worse. I, and, and I really do think it's both. Like we talk about the similarities between maybe my life and Will Shakespeare's life and the language that we have now didn't exist then. But people don't understand that, like, just because it wasn't called the same thing doesn't mean that queerness was not prevalent. And, like, especially, like, certainly there was um, there was a separation of gender roles and patriarchy and binary that led to these productions being all-male original casts. Mm-hmm. And yet, it seems that the idea of gender performativity or gender fluidity or something was, like, way less controversial than it seems to be now. Or, or just more accepted. Yeah. And people were less triggered by it yes. than yeah, they yeah. seem to be now. In our culture, um, and particularly in media and pop culture, we are trained in all of these movies that are now being adapted into Broadway musicals to think that like yeah. inherently the idea of a man wearing a dress yeah. is something to laugh at. Yeah. But your average American walking down the street does not have the vocabulary or the ability to discern when that is a joke and when that is a person like living their authentic life. Yeah. And so, you know, trans people and trans women specifically are people who get laughed at, you know, by existing because we associate that, um, Onto them, and so it, it's a lot to parse through the difference between um, gender identity, uh, you know, the behavior that is cross-dressing, the idea of gender performance in media or on stage in general. It's a lot to parse through, but I also think it's very interesting, and to, because it's so much of what I live, but. I don't want it to feel like inaccessible or scary to people. I want it to feel like a sense of play yeah. so that we can all join in on the conversation and the experience itself. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I think gender play does a lot of those things. And um, a lot of the feedback that we've been getting is like, this is sort of a play, but it's also sort of an event. Like, um, and, and so the way that the audience is invited into the space and into the performance itself, I hope gives people uh, a sense of comfort that they can lean in, play along, see themselves through all of these stories as well, even though I'm telling them in a very personal way, it's very much an invitation, you know, that, that you could do the same. And, um, and to surprise themselves, do you know what I mean? Just to surprise themselves with the questions they allow themselves to ask themselves yeah. without needing an answer. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, except for one more thing, which I'll share with you in about 60 seconds, so stick around. The About Face production of Will Wilhelm's Gender Play, or What You Will, runs for three more weekends until June 3rd, 2023, at the Den Theater in Chicago. Go to aboutfacetheater.com for more information. Then send us your journey of discovery via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com, or throw a comment to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on our own actual website, reducedshakespeare.com, or visit my website, theshakespeareance.com. You can also follow Will Wilhelm on Twitter at ByeByeBinary and on Instagram at mx.willwilhelm. Thanks, as always, to Shakespearean clown Matthew Croak. 
Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and GarageBand. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Carlos Drochi. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Mia Gosling, creator of Good Tickle Brain, the world's greatest and possibly only Shakespearean stick figure webcomic, which you can find at goodticklebrain.com. And as always, thanks very much to you for listening. Please continue to stay safe and keep your masks on. I'm Austin Titchener, 859, 2577ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. This world premiere at About Face has been everything and more I ever could hope it to be. And, you know, the way that Aaron and I crafted this show um, was certainly to to tell the story that I want to tell through Shakespeare. But it's also intentionally uh, my hope and my idea is that one day this this is a play and a piece that could be gifted to another trans or non-binary actor to have their own like truly tour de force in the realm that they deserve to be in already. No, we were we were absolutely talking about that uh, uh, in the car ride home, is that this is very personal to you, but this thing, this show that you've created is going to be a goldmine gift to young queer performers who are going Thank to you. say, I want to do a, a monologue from this. I want to do the whole damn thing. Yeah, I think it's just, it's you, you, you've bequeathed a gift to the world. Well done, my friend. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less.